I do, before I start, want to thank Pastor Aaron that, that I have this opportunity to share the word with you. And today, I'm going to just be speaking about the power of our words in reconciliation. Now, a lot of you just turned off there. <laughs> Real quick, how many people use the word reconciliation in everyday life? Okay, that's, well, basically, reconciliation is resolving conflict. And as Christians, a lot of times, we should be the best equipped to handle conflict, right? We should be the best equipped to handle conflict. And yet at times we find ourselves falling by the wayside and realizing that, that we're not in a place where we should be in our relationships horizontally. Now I want to ask you to open your Bibles to James. We'll go to James chapter 3 here. Uh, I do have to say one thing as you open your Bibles in, in terms of uh, honor this morning. I used to work at, uh, in physical therapy and I had a patient, his name, we called him Big Phil. Called him Big Phil, and he was a veteran. And uh, I, I realized when I was working on him that he had a hat on, and it had two bronze stars. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, Phil, I said, how would you get those, those bronze stars? And he said, well, uh, I was in Germany, and there was a, a foxhole that had a bunch of Germans in it. And he said, and they were just mowing down our guys. They were killing guys to the right and to the left of me. And I'm just like, wow. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, well, I took a grenade. He said, and I threw the grenade in the foxhole, and I, and I blew them up. And man, my heart just was like, I can't even fathom that. I said, Phil, how did, how did you feel? He goes, well, if I knew I would have gotten these, I would have thrown a lot more grenades. <laughs> but, it, but in all seriousness, it is incredible that I have this opportunity to preach in front of you this morning in a land that is free. And that is to the thanks of the veterans that are here among us, those that are overseas. And, and I so appreciate this opportunity. And I thank God that I live in a country that I can call myself free to do this. But as we get into the Word, as we talk about this, in the series, This Is Us, Pastor Aaron finished the series talking about the Beatitudes. And one of the Beatitudes was this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. So, in that series, we were talking about what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God. And in that series, we realized that, that we are able to bring peace and to bring healing into situations. So even though we might find ourselves in conflict, a lot of times we leave God by the wayside because we think this is conflict. This isn't God. When really the first thing that we should be doing is we should involve God. I mean, whether you're having conflict with somebody who's sitting right next to you, sitting across the room, or is halfway around the world, a lot of times our first instinct is to retaliate. Our first instinct is to do something that does not involve God. So I want to encourage you this morning, the basis for what I will share with you is, is the basis of having God as our foundation and honoring Him and glorifying God in these situations. So in James 3, verse 9, it says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings. So here we are this morning, praising God. You know, we're here in worship, and we got our hands up, and we're praising God, we're clapping. And yet with the same mouth, the same powerful words, we curse humans. Then it says this, humans who have been made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring. So our words are powerful. 
Our words are powerful. And Pastor Aaron gave a great uh, foundational message last week on, on how powerful our words are and then touched on the topic of gossip a little bit. But in, in that message, he talked about the fact that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, when I re first read that verse, it says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? In college, I had a class that was called Biological Oceanography. A lot of words to say it was a class I had to take and I didn't really want to take, but I did learn something from it. We got a chance to go on a field trip to the Chesapeake Bay, okay? And if you know the Chesapeake Bay, the Chesapeake Bay runs out into the Atlantic Ocean, right? So there's fresh water coming in and there's salt water coming in this way. Now what happens in that situation, there's something that you can measure and it's called a salt wedge. And this is true, you can look this up, but as the fresh water comes out, the salt water is more dense, so it goes lower like this. So what we did as we, as we were going further out on the Chesapeake Bay is we dropped something to measure the salinity or the salt in the water, and you could tell that there's an exact wedge where that changes because of the density of the salt water. So there's a clear-cut distinction. But words can be that way in our lives. They can drive a wedge in our relationships, right? Our words are that powerful. You know, offenses build fences, right? So a lot of times an offense, we, we drive a stake into the ground and say, I've been offended, and we drive a stake down. And then all of a sudden we start building a fence off of that stake. And, and the wedge just becomes so, so powerful and so distinct. But how many of us know, I mean, who likes a good action movie in here? About, yeah, I'm, yeah. See, I like where the good guy beats the bad guy, right? Where you go in and, and you just see those war movies where you're like, get him, get him, get him, yes. And my wife, on the other hand, and she likes the dramas. <laughs> now, the dramas, she was always like, well, Chris, why are you acting? I said, this is making me feel uncomfortable. You know, like, wait, like, no, don't say that, don't say that, oh, no, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, you know, that's the way the dramas are. But I like those good action movies where I can see the good and I can see the bad and I can say the good beat the bad. Now I can go to bed, <laughs> right? That's how it feels sometimes. It's like, I just want to see the end of this movie. And, and there's movies that just leave you hanging at the end. Like, what's going to happen? You're like, no, why did I come see this thing? I need some closure to this, right? Well, that's the way it is with our conflicts. But, but the problem is it's not always so clear. Right? There's not always that clear wedge where we can see what God or what's, what's happening within a conflict. And sometimes it's gotten so muddy that we don't even know what started it in the first place. I know many of us find ourselves in that situation and, and really we drove a, a fence stake down somewhere. We can't remember where the first one went. And all of a sudden, it's a line of offenses that have caused a break in our relationship. Now, the good thing about uh, the Bible is it's clear on what causes conflict. And that's in James 4.1. And it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? The desires that are in our hearts, a lot of times God has planted them there. But sometimes something that was a healthy desire can become unhealthy. Right? The next verse says that, that you desire but do not have, so you kill. I mean, something that, that was a desire that maybe even God planted that desire there, but it's become something so unhealthy and something that's pushed to a level that it shouldn't be at. Uh, but we want to hold, hold on to those desires and say, but I know this, and I want this, and I want that. So again, 
the words that we speak are so powerful. Again, Pastor Aaron's uh, message last week said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let's say that again. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And that's the same in our conflict. So if our hearts are full of something, have you ever noticed that sometimes something just slips out? You know, they're like, no, 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 no. It's like that word comes out and you're like, it's out there now. You know, I had that situation. I was at Longwood Gardens with my wife and for some reason I started popping my son's yogurt bites in my mouth. And like, ugh, Chris, why are you doing that? And I, and I said, because I feel like it. And the, the, the moment that the words came out of my mouth, I knew my attitude, I knew my... The, the way it came out was just wrong, you know, and, and then everything changed from that point forward, you know. Uh, I slipped up, the words came out, and I was backpedaling the whole time, the whole time we were there. And that's what can happen with our words is, is they, they can just slip out like that. But something I, I want to encourage you with is uh, the fact that, that Jesus always got right to the heart. If you ever knew anything about the Bible and anything about Jesus, you know he was asked 307 questions. 307 questions. 307. I mean, the, the red letter Bible, okay? So the red letter Bible was one that highlights all of the words that Jesus said in red. And in that Bible, only 4% of the Bible are words that Jesus actually said. 4%. I mean, that's powerful. Out of this entire book, that is really powerful. And, and what's crazy about that is that all happened within a three-year time span that has changed the course of eternity, that has changed the course of the world. So, so if people say that, that uh, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, I mean, Jesus knew the power of words, and he was not quick to just lash out or to say things. He asked questions. And what that does is that gets the other person uh, speaking in that situation. Um, but one of the greatest tools to, to handling conflict, one of the greatest things to handle conflict, stop them before they start. Like, well, Chris, I came here to hear how, how to fix my conflict, but I want to start at the beginning and say, stop conflict before it starts. Proverbs 19.11 says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. To overlook an offense. And you might first read that and be like, yeah, but Chris, they did this. You know? Yeah, but what about this? And, and I get that. People do sin, and there are some things that do need focused on. But I will encourage you that it's to one's glory to overlook an offense, is to not even allow the stake to go down in the first place. Sometimes we're so quick to jump to things you know, we live in a culture today that is so fast. Everything's moving so quickly. And with social media, man, we can boom, 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 boom. The second you think something, it is out there. The second you even want to retaliate, it is there. I mean, you watch the news, you look at social media, and you see offense, offense, offense. And all I see is stake, stake, stake. And the fence just keeps getting built bigger and bigger. And even within the church, even within the church, we've begun to build fences where at once it was supposed to be the body of Christ, but we allow things to move so fast that we just start putting down a stake. Proverbs 17.14 says this, Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Drop it before it even breaks out. That's hard to do. 
And uh, incredibly, well, of course, this usually happens, but when I'm preparing this message, I had a situation about two weeks ago where I was speaking with someone, and, and I honestly, I, I did. I got a little offended. I felt like they, they were questioning the motivation behind what I was, I was saying to them. And, and they, they spoke words that I felt kind of hurt me. It kind of offended me. And I went home and I, and I prayed about it and I said, God, why, why am I taking offense to this? Like, is this a big deal? And God spoke something very clear to me. What's their character? And I realized that the words that they said to me versus their character, this is a very godly person. I know so much about them that they, they have such an incredible character. And I thought, you know what? It doesn't line up. It's something that slipped out. It's something that they, they didn't mean and, and that's not usual of them. And I chose in that moment, before I even put down the stake and said that there's a clear-cut line all of a sudden to start an offense, I chose in that moment to release that. I chose in that moment to say, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth it to even start building that fence because I believe that this is a godly person and it doesn't match up with their character. So that's what I'm talking about in overlooking an offense. Overlooking an offense. And if you're, if you're taking notes, I would write this down. <laughs> Holding the tongue is just as powerful as releasing it. Holding the tongue is just as powerful as releasing it. Pastor Aaron shared last week of James 1.19 that says that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's one of those things that, that Jesus, that, that we see in, in the Word that it's like, okay, that's great. And then you leave this room and it's like, wow, that's hard, right? Especially for a preacher, somebody who wants to talk, you know, in different moments, but to be quick to listen and slow to speak. I mean, the, the slow to angry happens whenever you become slow to speak. But the second that, that those words come out of our mouth, we can't put them back in. We can't put them back in. There's a story that I can't take credit for, and my father-in-law Earl had shared with me. There's this once this story about this great king, and he had this servant that was a great servant for him, always spoke nice words to him and everything. And he found out that the servant was out kind of bad-mouthing people and was not uh, being nice to anybody outside of, the king, outside of his realm. And he knew this, so he told the servant one day, he said, you know what? We're going to go for a walk. We're going to go uh, on a walk. Bring your pillow with you. And the servant said, bring my pillow. He said, yeah, just, just bring your pillow with us. So he went up to the top of the mountain. When they got to the top of the mountain, the king took a knife and he cut open the bag, cut open the, the pillow, and he let the feathers just drop out. He handed the pillow sack back to him, and they walked back down. Next morning he said, we're going to go on a walk again, but bring, bring your pillowcase with you. So, okay. So they got up to the top of the mountain, and they get up to the top, and he says, okay, now go ahead and put your feathers back in. He looks at him, he said, put the feathers back in? Well, there's only like two left. They're everywhere by now. And the king said, well, that's how our words are when we speak. That's why we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, because the words that are come out of our mouth are powerful. And Jesus knew this because he had one short amount of time here on this earth to speak those words. And now we find our scripture wrapped and laced with it. And this whole book is a book about reconciliation. From the beginning to the end, this is the greatest love story 
ever. At the beginning, we had right relationship with God. Then sin entered the world, and a fence was built. Then Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross, bruised and beaten and battered. And you might say in your relationship, you're like, you know what, Chris, but they hurt me. You know what, Chris, but they bruised me. Well, Jesus stood bruised and battered and beaten and stabbed and nails put in his hands on the cross. And yet at that moment, it was the greatest story of forgiveness and love that we could ever imagine. That's how powerful our words are. That's how powerful words are for, for reconciliation. And, and I would say, in, in terms of being slow to speak, plan out a conversation with somebody. If you have a conflict with somebody, plan out the conversation. Write it down. And not on Facebook. <laughs> Write it down on, on a paper that's just you and the paper. Before you release those words in, into the atmosphere, write it down. And you'd be surprised that once you look and you plan on a conversation, you can begin to say, you know what, I know, or I, I expect that this may be a response. And you can sit there and you can think about that and you can pray about that. Again, if we include God in the conversation, if we say, God, what will honor you? Because again, we said the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So it starts at the very beginning in our hearts. We have to stand there and say, what is my heart full of? What is my heart full of? Before the feathers fly, right? Before the feathers fly, we need to, we need to grasp that aspect. So plan a conversation. Proverbs 12, 18 says this, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever noticed that uh, you could say a whole paragraph of stuff that's awesome, and in the second that those two words slip out, something changes, right? I had a situation, I took my, my wife and kids up to Great Wolf Lodge up in the Poconos, and I saw this beautiful family sitting there having dinner, and uh, I, I just felt impressed upon my heart to, to pay for their meal. I just felt God clearly sit, focus on paying for their meal, and uh, I told people, don't tell them, I told the waiter, don't tell them I paid for this, and he, they said, okay. Well, that never happens. Uh, but anyway, I, I, the next morning, I, I'm standing there in the lobby, and this guy comes up to us. Now, me and my friend are standing there, me and my one friend, and he asks my friend, he said, why did you pay for my meal? He's like, I, I didn't pay for your meal. And, and I said, oh, that, that was me, because I could tell that he was clearly uncomfortable with the conversation. So I said, oh, that was me. And God had put on my heart that I was supposed to tell him that God honors family. It's this beautiful young family that was just there, and I just felt that's what God wanted me to say. But instead, he asked me, why did you pay for my, my, my meal? And I look at my friend. I could tell he was uncomfortable. And I said, because I felt like it. Oh, Chris, that was not right. I had the opportunity in that moment to speak maybe words of healing, Maybe words of grace, maybe words of mercy, but I was too worried about outward situations that took my focus off of what God had told me to do. So there I come away looking like a jerk, right? Because it felt like, like I'm old money bags over here, <laughs> you know? And, but instead, those words come out of my, of my mouth, and it's one of those situations. I said, no, 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 you know? And I knew it, if I would have just planned, 
planned that. I knew that God was going to give me an open door. That's how God is. He gives us an open door. But a lot of times, we fall through. <laughs> we fall right through that. Um, but I want to say this. This isn't quite a side note. This is the note. But Ephesians 4 talks about speaking the truth. We're worried about truth in this day and age. We're worried about what is truth. And Ephesians 4 says that we are to speak the truth. And a lot of us, even Christians, we can say, well, this is true. This is the authoritative word of God. This is God's word. This is truth. But sometimes we find ourselves flipping through and it's like, yeah, but God said this. Yeah, but he, he said this. Right? Speaking the truth. But there's two little words that follow speak the truth. It says, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And what that tells me is the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And what that does for us is that gives us a recognition of the time and the moment and the attitude in how to speak the truth. Right? So we can speak the truth. Speaking the truth is like, I'm just saying, you know, you know, just saying that God said we're supposed to greet each other with a holy kiss, you know. You know, we could just pull out Scripture and just say, eh, just saying, you know. And I, and I have to be honest. I have to say that when I started working towards my credentials for being a pastor, uh, for my certification and going through the classes, uh, I was really delving into the Bible and delving into the Word, and my wife saw something that I didn't see. And... Uh, she, she pointed it out. Thank God for wives. They can point things out pretty well. But uh, she said, Chris, you're putting unhealthy expectations on our family. Because I realized that, that I was seeing the truth of God's word, and I was saying, oh my gosh, we don't line up. We don't line up to go. It says this, and it says that, and this is the truth, and I believe it to be the truth. And I started looking at God's word and realizing that, that we don't measure up. You know what, well, honey, we got to do better at this. we got to do better at that. Our kids are not, <laughs> you know, Grace's head goes through the wall. That is not in the Bible. I don't see that anywhere. But, but those moments, you know, where I was realizing I was falling into a, a legalism view of the Bible. I was putting unhealthy expectations on my, me and my family. I was missing the whole point of grace and truth in love. In love. So if you're writing something down, there is a time and a place to share truth. To speak the truth. In love. In love is an attitude. That's again why I say but plan it out. Plan out your conversation. Write it down. Does it sound like love? You know, a lot of times we, we write that down and then you look at it and be like, wow, that sounds awful. <laughs> you know, and you, and you read through it, but... But I want to encourage you, being filled with the Holy Spirit just gives you that access to that God timing. There's that moment in that place. I, I felt the timing. I knew the timing. But I said, uh, because I felt like it. That wasn't God. I had an opportunity to speak truth and to speak love into somebody's life. Well, I've given you guys a lot of things of what not to say and do with conflict, Right? I've said a lot about uh, what, what we shouldn't do and that we should hold our tongue. But it does say that the words of the wise can bring healing. So how, how do we bring healing in our relationships? Maybe you're 
Maybe you have a conflict with somebody who's sitting next to you. Maybe they're sitting across the, the room from you. Maybe they're at home. But you have conflict that's going on in and through your lives. And, and you say, well, Chris, you don't understand my situation. Chris, you don't, you don't get it. There's too much. You know, the fence is too big now. There's nothing I can do to tear that fence down because stakes have been put in the ground. And I will tell you that the same words that, that Jesus speaks and the same words that are that powerful within Scripture can be the words that we use to produce healing in conflict. There are two phrases I want to share with you today. I forgive and I'm sorry. A better way to say I'm sorry is I repent because repenting is a turning away. Repenting is a turning away. But again, I would look at Scripture and I see verses like Colossians 3.13. And that says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Man, that's a verse we love to throw out there, kind of like the speaking the truth in love. We love to say, well, i got to forgive as the Lord forgave me. Do we realize that that's almost impossible? That's one of those things you look at that verse and you read it and go like, I can't do that. I can't, I mean, God died on the cross for me. I can't forgive like that. I mean, he, he chose his one and only son to be brutally murdered on a cross for me, for my forgiveness, so that I could have access to him, so the fence stakes would be pulled up. I cannot do that. Well, let me encourage you, we cannot do it on our own strength. And if we think we can, then that's not forgiveness. Because if we don't have that in our hearts, if, if that forgiveness that God has given us is not in our hearts and we don't recognize how broad and how vast that is, then we have no basis for how to forgive someone else in the Christian sense of what the Bible says. There's a, there's a, a story about Corey Ten Boom, and I thought about this with, with Veterans Day. If you've never heard of Corey Ten Boom, she was a beautiful Christian woman who had helped the Jews during World War II. Okay, but her and her family were put in a concentration camp, and it ended up that her, her dad and her sister died in this concentration camp. Well, she writes about uh, a situation that happened after that. She had an opportunity to, to preach the word, and she wrote this. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. The former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had, I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men. The heaps of clothing. Betsy's pain-blanched face, that was his, her sister. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine, and I who had preached so often to the people of Blomendal about the need to forgive, I kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand, but I could not. I felt nothing not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. 
As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder, along my arm, and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. So I discovered that it's not our, on our forgiveness any more than it's on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on him. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Such a powerful story of the, the forgiveness that can flow through us. I couldn't imagine the atrocities that she had witnessed in that concentration camp and lost her family there, and yet she is forgiving this man. But again, it's out of a strength that is not her own. It's out of a strength that is buried in her heart from the forgiveness that she's received. She knew that verse very well. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. In 2 Corinthians 2.7, Paul, Paul, the great apostle Paul, is writing to the Corinthian church and they find out about this sin that somebody had committed, a, a big sin. And uh, he commands the other church members of the church. He says, forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. We, we have opportunities to verbally reaffirm our relationships with people. When we forgive somebody, we forgive them. And then we speak words of affirmation of the relationship. And, and the problem is, a lot of times, we, we think, and, and we've gotten this wrong sometimes in the church, we think that forgiveness is forgetting. Because God said, I'll throw it as far as the east is from the west into the depths of the sea. And we like to use uh, verses, I think it's like Hebrews 8.12 that said, you know, God forgets our, he remembers it no more. Let me remind you, he's God. He's God. You think he can't, he's the God who was and is and is to come. He's God. He chooses to not remember. Forgiving is a choice. Forgiving is a decision that we make that we say, you know what, today's the day, and you're not going to put it as a tally, and then the next time an argument comes up, you say, I'm going to use that against them. No, that's done. That's over. The stake's already been pulled out. That's how we are called to forgive. That's how we are called to forgive. It also doesn't excuse people of consequences. I, feel, I didn't share this in the first service, and I don't even have this on my notes, but I want you to know that... Uh, that consequences aren't our concern. Consequences aren't our concern because we, we get our due consequence. The Word says that. That when we love somebody, when we love our enemies, that it's like, it's like heaping burning coals on them because God is the one who seeks the revenge. You know, a, a lot of times we think, well, I'm not going to let them off the hook. They need to get what they deserve, right? A lot of times when we're getting revenge and everything, we want to get what they deserve. You know what? But they did this, so they get this. What if we got what we deserved? This sounds harsh, but I've heard it said before. We deserve to go to hell. That, that's what we deserve. That sounds rude, but, but honestly, that's what the Word says. I mean, that's what, that's what we deserve, but the incredible forgiveness of God to remove our sins and to say, I don't even see them anymore. You know He's God. You know that, that at any moment He could bring that. You know, you could say to somebody, you know what, I forgive you, but I don't want to be close to you anymore. What if God said that to us? 
That'd be awful. You know what? You're forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But, but I don't want to be close to you anymore. Then why would we come in here and we worship Him? We don't have an opportunity to get close to Him to enter into the throne room. I mean, the veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross so that we could have access to Him. That we could have access to God. That it's not some special priest. It's not me who, get, who would stand up there and go through and, and offer some sacrifice. That's no more. Because of what Jesus did. That's how powerful forgiveness is. But there's also the other side of the coin. And that's repentance. That's sorrow. Sorrow is an emotion. That's why I, I call it uh, repentance. Uh, and a lot of times we, we put ourselves in the good guy versus the bad guy, right? Well, well he did it. it. It's all his fault. No. I promise you there's at least 0.5% that was our own fault, right? Amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Some, sometimes there's that 0.5% that's our fault. If we, like I said at the beginning, honor God with what we say and what we do, we will recognize our heart issue in the circumstance. We will recognize, you know what, I reacted wrong to that. You know what, I handled that incorrectly. You know what, I'm sorry for that. And you'll be surprised that if you say sorry for your 1%, they often say sorry for their 99%, what you consider their 99%. But that's so powerful to talk about. And then the way, reason why I call it repentance is, again, sorrow is an emotion. We can feel bad and we can regret something, but that doesn't take it away. Repentance is a turning. Repentance is turning away. It, it, the, the word repentance also means like coming to our senses, is recognizing, you know what? I can't be doing that anymore. I can't be doing that anymore. I, uh, there's a young man that, that I knew and uh, he, he was a good, good guy. He, he was raised in a, in a Catholic home. He was just a good kid overall. Uh, when he got into high school, he started dabbling in drugs and started getting involved in, in some things that were not, not too good. And, and uh, as, as, he, as he grew, you know, he kind of had this outward appearance that, that really it looked good. He looked like a stand-up citizen, but behind closed doors, he was stealing, he was lying, he was cheating. And the substance abuse got worse and worse. And then by the time he was in college, it was just something that, that even his closest friends and family uh, didn't know that he was struggling with. And he, he just had such a tough time with this because on the outside, it was such a weight. Because on the outside, there was all of this that he was trying to maintain and hold up. But on the inside, there was this heaviness and there was this guilt and there was this burden uh, of pain and suffering until one day when his mom got sick. And then his mom uh, started to die. And when he went in to see her, it was on his 23rd birthday, and he went in to see her, and she spoke her last words. And her last words were, I'm proud of you. I mean, how powerful are the last words in somebody's life? I mean, if you look at Jesus' last words, some of the last things he said were so momentous in the Word of God. And uh, this mom saw her child and said, I'm so proud of you. Well, this young man, he went home and he cried. And he cried and he cried and he just got down on the floor in his room and he knew she was dying and he was usually in the hospital, but it was his birthday. What was he supposed to do? So he started delving deeper and deeper. He just started 
uh, filling himself that day, trying to fill the void with whatever he could because he just wanted to be free of that. And uh, that young man, I, I know him very well. He, uh, he stands before you today. And uh, for me, I got to say my last words to my mom the day that she died. She was laying on her deathbed and, and uh, she started struggling for air at the end of her life. And uh, the alarms were going off and me and my sister are laying next to her and we, we were both slightly falling asleep when we woke up and uh, she was dying and we didn't know what to do. So the nurse comes running in and, and we said, well, what do we do? What should we say? Like, I, she goes, just tell her everything's going to be okay. Just tell her that you love her. So here's this young man saying, Mom, I love you. Mom, I'm, Mom I, I just, I, everything's going to be okay. Everything's fine. I'll take care of my sister. I'll take care of the baby. I'll take care of the house. Mom, I'll, I'll, everything's fine. Here I am talking my mom into heaven when I didn't even believe it myself. Still weight of the power of my sin hanging on me, and yet I'm sitting there trying to tell her everything's okay when on the inside, my heart is screaming, going, no, it's not okay. I'm a screw-up. I've screwed up over and over again. I've, I've lied. I've steal, stolen. I've cheated. I'm hooked. I'm addicted. I can't break free. And everybody else thinks I'm good. Everybody else has this uh, perspective of goodness over my life. And yeah, I get good grades. Yeah, I have a good career. But I'm, I'm not who I need to be, Mom. And you think you're proud of me. Words are so powerful. But I'll tell you what's even more powerful. Godly sorrow brings repentance, which leads to salvation. Worldly sorrow brings death. I praise God that, that in those moments I felt a godly sorrow, something that could turn me. And that's what repentance means, turn directions and move towards him. And we have an opportunity to do that in our relationships. We have an opportunity with our words to repent and say, I'm sorry. You know what? I screwed up. I don't want this. And it's not to release some burden. It's not that, to say that everything washed away in that moment. It's gone. I'm a, I'm a free bird. No. There was consequences to sin. But godly sorrow brings repentance. And that is a turning. And I know now, today, that I can stand forgiven. I can stand forgiven because I can stand in the light of God's grace and His mercy. And if I have any right to push my finger in somebody else's face and say, but you, I have the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, and some of us sit here today in the middle of a conflict and we say, but they did this and they did that and they did this. When God is looking at our hearts, when God sees the man, Jesus, many times you, in Scripture you see it say, Jesus knew what they were thinking in his heart, in their hearts. He knew what they were thinking. He knows our heart. He knew what I was struggling with. And yet he can forgive Someone like me, 
The great King David said this in Psalm 32, verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. How many of us feel that way sometimes with the sin or something that we've done to somebody that it just sits on us like that? Like your bones are wasting away all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquities. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Sometimes we need to realize that our sin against other people is a sin against God. And when we think about that relationship, right like we talked about at the beginning at James 3, that with the same mouth, we're here worshiping God, and yet we're out cursing humans, and we have the opportunity to bring words of healing and comfort. And to even teach people what it means to be forgiven. What it means to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, genuine confession and forgiveness is about the other party. If we're worried about ourselves in the situation, then we've missed the point in a conflict. You know, if we're worried about, I just want to get this burden off my shoulders. Okay, I'm sorry. Genuine confession Genuine confession is saying, you know what? I, I leave it in your hands. Because I, I am sorry. I am sorry. And some of you may sit here today and maybe you're still saying in your mind, yeah, but Chris, you don't know my situation. I don't. I don't pretend to know every single situation. I don't even know some of my own situations. <laughs> but I do know that God knows. I do know that when we honor Him and when we glorify Him and when we come in here on a Sunday morning and we raise our hands in worship, if we take that worship and we take it into our lives and we're able to, to profess that, that healing, that comfort, that confession, that repentance, and that forgiveness, everything else can wash away. I mean, I stood there like David for weeks after my mom passed. Just the weight. And then I, I uh, met my father-in-law, Earl. And uh, he came beside me and he shared with me his faith. And I grew up Catholic. I, I thought I knew faith. I thought I knew what it meant. But he shared something different with me. He shared with me testimony after testimony of God's goodness in his life. Miracles that God has done in their family. He said, if you're going to date my daughter, <laughs> you're going to have to know. You're going to have to know what we believe. And I remember driving home with my now wife, Brittany, and uh, saying to her, like, does he really believe that stuff? She said, yeah. I said, do you? She said, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know. And I can feel it through the Holy Spirit that some of you sit here and you think, is that kind of forgiveness real? Is that type of repentance real? Can I really receive this? Is this a gift, as the Word says, that is actually attainable? Yes. Because I can stand here before you and recognize that I am forgiven of my sin. Didn't heal me of every consequence, 
but I'm able to move more and more into the likeness of Christ because somebody had the courage to share that kind of faith with me to recognize that I'm redeemable. God can take me from the lowest of lows and he can put me back on the mountaintop and I believe that he can do that for some of you this morning. I just, I want to take a moment here and pray for you. I, I know I'm over time. I did it earlier too, but it doesn't matter because God is so good. God is so good. His forgiveness is for everyone. His healing is for everyone, for every relationship, for every conflict, for every situation. He's ready with outstretched arms. Maybe you don't feel in your heart that yet you're ready to forgive someone. Maybe you don't feel in your heart that you're ready to move into a, 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 a stance, a stance of repentance. You're not ready to say, you know what, I, I'm ready to turn away and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's bow our heads this morning as I, as I pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord God, for your forgiveness. God, I thank you, Lord, that, that our repentance leads to salvation. Thank you that in this moment, God, we can just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I want to turn away. I want to turn away from everything that's holding me back, God. And I want to turn to you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're feeling today that God is leading you to that point, I want you to just raise your hand this morning and say, God, I know it's me. God, I know I need your forgiveness. God, I know I need your strength. Lord, I, I pray for these individuals that have raised their hands, God. I thank you, Lord, that they're willing to say, God, I need right standing with you before any other relationship, God. I need you in my heart because my heart needs to be the basis for what my mouth speaks. Lord God, I pray, Lord, over those individuals that as they yield to you, God, because it is, God, it's a yielding to you that they can recognize the power of your salvation. They can confess with their mouths, confess with their lips that you are Lord and Savior, that you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died for our sins. And God, for those that are going through conflict in this moment, even today and in, in this day, maybe there's somebody that's on their hearts. Maybe there's some uh, grievance that they have, Lord. Your word says, God, we're supposed to lay everything at the altar and go and be reconciled. God, that's so powerful, Lord, that you want us to reconcile our horizontal relationships so that we can have right standing with you. God, I pray for those that have somebody on their hearts, Lord. Give them, Lord, the power of your Holy Spirit to see clearly what stakes have been put in the ground and what can be lifted up. God, I praise you, God, for who you are. We recognize, Lord, the power of your forgiveness. Help us, Lord, to be able to forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, help us to repent and turn away, Lord, from the things that are coming in the way of our relationships with each other and with you. God, in this moment, we ask your Holy Spirit to break it free to break free of the bondages, Lord, to break free of the addictions, of the, of the situations, God, of, of the hurtful words that have been spoken. Lord, help us to bring healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus.
God, we honor you today for being God. We exalt you, Lord. We lift you up because we know, Lord, your righteousness is so unattainable for us. But we will, Lord, we will yearn for you, God. We ask that you build us up and you draw us even closer today in the precious name of Jesus. Let's all stand together.